Your Money Replay from Money FM 89.3. Money and Me on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. Our topic today is simple. Where are the opportunities for property investors in Singapore? Sounds like a simple question, but there's a lot to it. When's the right time to buy? When's the right time to sell? And besides Singapore, are there opportunities in nearby regions that we should be looking at? Singapore has taken number one spot for real estate investment prospects in terms of price increases next year. Meanwhile, Hong Kong pushed down to the bottom of a list of 14 as the city's prospects seem affected by months of continued violent anti government protests. This according to the Urban Land Institute and PWC report on property trends in the region just out. Meanwhile, the prolonged political tensions and conflicts in Hong Kong and China seems to be benefiting Singapore. More investors turning towards us and away from these geopolitical flashpoints. In a recent media report, Urban Land Institute Chief Executive Ed Walters said this quote, I like it, I think it should underpin our show today. A lot of theory is in investing is less about what was versus what is or what is going to be. So, we take a look ahead and around the corner as well at the possible opportunities for property investors with Lee Nigia, Senior Director and Head of Research at Knight Frank Singapore. How are you this morning? Great. Looking uh, forward to the weekend? Yeah, the weekend will be great. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree. Yeah. Okay, since we have you here, we are going to also allow our listeners access to that brain of yours. So, if anybody yes. has a question, 9717-8893, what are your overall thoughts? Where are the opportunities for property investors in Singapore? I think if you take a step back and look at the whole property market in 2019, generally the sentiments are much weaker. There's a lot of uncertainty in the external environment. And we see also sales doing quite well for new sales, but resale volume actually came down quite a fair bit. Mm. So overall, if we look at it, of course, there's a lot of uncertainty. But at the same time, there are opportunities. These two things happen to go positively correlated. So Both sides of the same coin. In fact, what we are seeing is that some of the properties that are rarely available in the market in, are, Singapore. in Singapore are slowly coming up. One of those is what we call the good class bungalows. Mm. We see actually more of those in the market. So for those who are looking, you know, the high-end, luxurious kind of uh, products, they are actually available where in the past it's very rarely available in the market so I think of course there's also concerns of you know the cooling measures the ABSD mm-hmm. all those things you know the higher cost but it seems like a lot of buyers are rethinking whether it's good time to enter again in most cases we felt that this ABS is kind of a barrier but slowly they are overcoming it as a mental barrier not so much of a financial barrier so that's probably going to be something interesting. You mean for the good class bungalow? For the residential. The entire the, residential sector. Yes. It's quite hefty, the ABSD, but you think it's more mental than a financial yeah. barrier? Those that want to invest a second property definitely is hefty. But for those who are looking for their first property or upgrading, they may find that you know the prices have stabilized. In fact, went up two consecutive quarters. Maybe a good time to go in, which is true. Because in most cases, when we see a two consecutive quarters improvement, usually the price trend will go up. The only time that it doesn't was during 2001. 
when it went up and then after that it come down. It's a, like a sharp kind of V-shape price trend. Besides that, we generally see that things start to improve. So, of course, the other reason that we think that is actually driving the market is what we call the flight to safety. Mm. You know, we know that you know the equity markets have been a bit volatile due to all the news and Donald Trump's tweets. <laughs> and then, of course, the bank rates, the deposit rates, the interest rates are not that attractive. Bonds rates are also you know, quite low because there's still a lot of capital easing policies. Monetary policies are still pretty subdued in that sense. So what we see is that people are turning towards real estate. We see a lot of placement of funds of REITs, for instance. Mm. And there's a lot of interest in REITs. There's also more interest in real estate because they feel that it's a good asset for preservation of wealth and also long-term capital appreciation. Interesting to see the same patterns that you are seeing. He is Senior Director, Head of Research at Knight Frank Singapore, Lee Nigeria. So we've got about six weeks left to the end of the year and some people might be wondering when it comes to those upgraders, for example, mm. is it a good time to sell my property this year or should I be looking at that increase that you're saying you know we've seen two mm. quarters and we can expect more growth in that direction should I wait till 2020 to sell? No um, of course currently what we see is there's a lot of uncertainty in the market and people are coming back to the real estate market especially private residential market so I would say that if people are looking to sell at this point in time, they should look maybe next year after Chinese New Year where activity tends to be a bit more and focus on the seasonal parts mm. and try to avoid public holidays and of course school holidays. Of course, some of them may be like trying to prime the market, you know, should I sell now if offers come in? I think the other thing that you need to consider is what are you going to use the funds next? Are you going to buy a property? If you know there's not many options in the market that you like, then probably you should wait further. It depends really on the buyer or investors. Very interesting. So let's turn a little bit to what's happening surrounding Singapore mm. and how that's affecting us. Ongoing political unrest in Singapore. So according to this media article out that featured the Urban Land Institute and PwC report on property trends, it looked like you know Singapore moved up to number one for real estate investment prospects. Right. Hong Kong moved down to 14th place. So does this mean that what's happening in Hong Kong is sort of serving Singapore, at least in the short term? And if so, how can investors tap on this opportunity? Actually, very interestingly, despite so much talk about you know Singapore benefiting from it, for private residential sales at least, the statistics still does not show there's a hike in sales from home buyers. And of course, offhand, we also do not see that at least. We see more inquiries, people probably asking more options, but they did not come into fruition as a deal. Of course, there are also reports that you know more companies are putting money in Singapore, other companies. But then again, I think it's very premature. And because what happened is most of the companies in Hong Kong, they are there because of Hong Kong is a gateway to the Chinese market. Right. So they still probably want to be there. Mm. And on the flip side, I would think Hong Kong is actually a good opportunity now because if you believe in the long-term viability of Hong Kong as a market, I think that could still be very viable. In fact, that's why in terms of real estate markets, the prices are not coming down. We are still seeing some people investing in Hong Kong stock markets because they believe in the long-term viability of Hong Kong. Are prices of Hong Kong properties coming down? No. 
they are still maintaining at the level. I think those that are more affected are those tourist-related sectors like retail. Yeah, the rents, we expect them to come down a fair bit. Officers, maybe we may see some slowing down because people probably try to, you know, wait and see attitude. But generally, I would think, you know, it's still viable in the long term. I mean, if you look in the history, modern history. Because uh, you have a background yeah. in not history, but urban planning. Yes. <laughs> so you've yeah. seen how cities rise Rises and fall. Ball. Yeah. But in modern history, what happened is as a city grows, there's very strong agglomeration economies being built. The human capital is being built in that area. So it's very difficult to destroy that. And we see that even though that certain cities, you know, face certain difficulties. At certain like Hiroshima? Point, yeah, Hiroshima. After the atomic bomb, they actually grow back better. Then London, for instance, they have undergone so many things like bombings the, during the Second World War, a lot of things. But they still grow and become even stronger each time round. So I would think Hong Kong will be the same, I mean, in this case. So, you think most cities are resilient? Very resilient. Unlikely, unless you have a total, due to certain calamity or whatever, mm. that everything is being wiped out. But mm. we don't Which see we that. saw in Hiroshima. Yeah, but it's still, and still it still came, came back. back. Correct. So cities are generally very, very resilient, at least in the modern history, for the modern history. In the past, maybe things changed, but mm. in the modern history, I think, usually they're very resilient. And for a lot of investors, they are looking at when is the lowest point to go in rather than going in at the highest point. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But we're not seeing property prices, residential property prices in Hong Kong for now. So yeah. you don't see opportunities there, but you're confident of its ability to bounce right. back in the long term. Right. Okay. Well, listen, just yesterday I was talking to listeners about how if they wanted to refinance, now is a good time because banks are offering lower interest rates than they were at the beginning of the year, for example. 1.83 to 1.84 to refinance versus, you know, 2.2 earlier this year because we're seeing soft economic performance and again, the V word, volatility worldwide. Mm. So because we're seeing lower home loan rates, do you think it's a good idea for people to think about buying now? The thing is, the changes in the interest rates, right, we see that its impact on home sales is quite limited at this point because we are starting on a low base for the start. So even when they were talking about improvements, increase in interest rate, the impact is very limited because from the start, it's already very low. So this decline probably may entice some, but I don't think it will be the key contributor to what is you know the improvement of the market. Rather, I think more importantly is how people perceive the market. It's a kind of more of a sentiments of the market. Mm. At this point in time, I think it's more correlated to the sentiments and also to what happened in the past. So we find that, you know, sales, real estate sales tend to be very sticky and they tend to relate back to what happened in the past few quarters. A lot of people, if you think about it, it makes sense because when they buy properties, they tend to look back in the past two quarters. How have prices moving? How have sales moving? Well, sales and prices are moving up. Maybe it's a good time to buy. And hence, you see that there's a positive momentum in real estate market. Okay, really interesting. If we move to the commercial space in Singapore, do you see opportunities? What are you seeing? In the commercial space, what we do see is a lot of activities among the institutional investors looking for prime grade 
buildings. Again, they are very stable in terms of the rentals use. They are very stable in terms of their prices. Now, for normal investors, retail investors, of course, some of them would be thinking of strata-titled industrial buildings, retail buildings, or office. Generally, we have seen that activity has come down a lot. But that said, I think there are some opportunities in those some of these older strata-titled developments because they are maybe undergoing some en bloc. Of course, the en bloc activity is very, very slow. Developers, landlords, institutional funds, they are still very cautious because there's quite a fair bit of development risk. But in areas that is in the CBD that, you know, where there's a lot of redevelopment potential, Mm, those areas may have, I think, some opportunities for retail investors. Well, that's very exciting for retail investors. You want to look for strata titled, located in the CBD, maybe cross-check with the master development plan right. to see which are the areas up for right. redevelopment. Right. I think those are the things that, of course, they can look at. We do see some people that have been looking, but I think recent events probably have made the interest subdued a bit, but we expect them to come back soon. Well, that's great insight. Lee Nigia is Senior Director, Head of Research at Knight Frank Singapore. This is Money and Me. I'm Michelle Martin. This is the show where we help you make your money work harder for you. Okay, so for those of us who can invest in multiple assets and looking at diversifying, what do you suggest they look at when it comes to the property market, maybe outside Singapore? Yes, I think one of the things is to look outside Singapore. By looking outside Singapore, one also has to understand how each markets are correlated to each other. So, for instance, we see that some investors are looking at university towns for a reason because they find that they are quite counter-cyclical in the sense because when the market goes down actually more people go to and study for their postgraduate uh, that's, <laughs> that's one true, and the other thing is if the currency becomes cheaper what happens is also encourage more people to go and study, go study yeah. in that day. oh I yeah. get that so it's a kind of a win-win situation yes yeah so I think when we think about diversifying is to find places where it can minimize all this idiosyncratic risk related to each location. So typically people think Australia, UK. Yes. Most of the people will go to places that they are familiar to. Mm. So usually if you look at the buyer profile, most of the times there are people who studied there or worked there before and they know the places quite well. Is that a good idea or should you be looking at whether the exchange rate's going down? or whether, you know, those university towns are thriving, look at the last two quarters of sales there. Right. What should you be looking at? So I think you are totally right on that. First, you need to look at the exchange rate, whether is it more favourable to you as a buyer. So for instance, like when we see that the pound has come down quite a fair bit, the Australian dollar has come down quite a fair bit, hmm. and it makes more sense. Yeah. yeah. Of course, the short-term rental part may hurt a bit because you'll be getting back the same currency. But then if you look at the long-term projection, it, it makes sense. Of course, the other thing I think very critical is you need, I think most investors that look at overseas market need to understand what the local people like Ooh. and whether the local demographic the locals I mean whether they have the financial ability subsequently to buy the property what do you mean what, what do they like in terms of space or right. could you yeah. elaborate 
for instance, like some people in you know the locals may prefer low lying properties, bigger space, bigger uh, instead of condominiums. So you have to understand that okay, if I buy this. If I buy the condominium, then my target market in the future mm. is foreign buyers. But we have to be careful because that is actually a potential policy risk. Because for whichever government in the world, the, when they want to cool the market, they usually will look at the foreign market hedgement first. They will put in controls to prevent Ooh. speculation. So these are the things that I think as an investor, we have to be very mindful of. Okay, so just because developers build mixed developments in places like Phuket or Thailand, if you know that the local population prefers low-lying, it may not make sense to buy an apartment in the sky. Right, yes. Especially if you are more risk-averse. So how would I figure out what in, what the local population likes? This is this is the part. Usually, I will advise people that, you know, you go to that market, you talk to the agents there, you talk to the people there, and you have a feel. You know, maybe just go for a tour, but, you know, at the same time, talk to the different agencies, just pop by and then you know, just check out the market before really committing to it. And I think it's also very important. It's like, you know, some of the developers overseas, you may not know them as well. Mm. So usually what we see that some of the investors, they place a greater emphasis on getting local buyers, local developers, that means Singaporean developers that go overseas. So that is one way to hedge the risk. The other way is if that foreign developer has projects, it will be good to go and take a look. What is their track record like? What is the quality like? And how the depreciation or appreciation of the prices have gone for the properties they developed. No getting around doing your homework and your legwork if you're buying overseas properties. Let's talk a little bit about the price cycles Hmm. and the trough of the price cycles. How to identify that for property investors who might look at some markets as attractive because, you know, they're at a certain point of the price cycle. So what are some of the indicators to look at? I think the first thing that most people will look at is actually sales. Uh, sales is generally a very good indicator. So if you see that you know the sales have sort of slowed to a historical low, that means probably the market is at the trough. And probably because it's so illiquid, there are not many properties like a lot. Of, it could be that in the case of a lot of properties are put up for sale and you probably maybe get able to get a kind of bargains from there. Mm. The second thing is to understand what is the development potential for that particular city, especially if investors are looking at second tier cities, whether the government are planning certain major infrastructure works and how committed is the government to develop that infrastructure work. Because every city, they will have certain things like infrastructure. Oh, we are building a highway, train station. But what is the track record of the government actually fulfilling that particular works? Mm -hmm. It's also very critical. So there's still a lot of due diligence on the buyer's part and investor's part. Okay, so are you seeing any geographic areas of interest for property investors? For now, I see quite a fair bit of interest will be in London. The reason why I I point out UK on London, not because it's something very familiar to us, but really if you look at areas, I mean from a very investment point of view, I tend to look at areas that are more uncertain 
and they are not doing that well and that is the opportunity that lies. I like this contrarian view. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if this Brexit going on and you know whether they are going for Brexit, not going for Brexit, now they are going for all those things. Uh-huh. This uncertainty means that the prices are actually more even though we have seen there's some form of uptick because buyers have coming in. But it makes the prices more reasonable and you can get what you want. And prices have come down quite a fair bit since before Brexit and now. Really? Uh, before the, for landed? Get, for residential? For residential in the central London area. Central London, wow. Yeah, so we see quite a fair bit of interest in it. So these are the places I would say look for them. The second thing is that as we talked before that all the cities or all certain spots will face certain issues over time. We must see whether they are resilient enough. So places of tourist hotspots actually could be something that people should consider because most of the tourists go there, they like the place. The next thing you know, it makes your this exit strategy much easier. Example? Places like Bali. And then we see in Japan will be the Sisoko Resort. We saw the prices, land prices appreciate like 50% one year. So, yeah, this place is because people... Again, the name of that place in Japan. Make sure I get it right. I think it's one of those uh, skiing resorts. Right. Yeah. Is it Nisko? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Nisko. So, the prices actually went up quite significant. And usually these tourist hotspots is like, you know, people just like these areas and... They visit the place, it's very nice, mm. and they come back again. And then they realize that, hey, I love this place so much, maybe I should buy a home. And usually that is how things work out in this area. So for those who who bought properties in foreign cities or foreign hotspots, and then they want the exit strategy, then there you th- go. Th- th- those are the places. Well, thank you for helping us think through opportunities for property investors. What a great way to end. My guest today, Lee Nigea, Senior Director and Head of Research at Knight Frank Singapore. Japan, here I come. Thank you so much. Thank you. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.